for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We're going to continue this week in our whole series of this next number of weeks, probably six weeks in total, I think it is, six or seven weeks, on our 2020 vision. 2020 vision. And uh, we're going to, let me just do the reading and then we'll take it, we're going to base ourselves in that reading, but we're going to look at the subject of everything but something. Everything but something. And our reading is Mark chapter 6, and we're going to read uh, a very well-known story, uh, which all of us know, but we'll look at it this morning anyway. And as you always do with God's Word, He shows you something that perhaps you've never seen before. Uh, Verse 30, Mark chapter 6. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had been taught. And He said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Sounds good, doesn't it? For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. That's bad news when you don't have time to eat, especially for a man. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. They have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, we've got five, and we've got two fish. Then he commanded them, he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when they had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish... He divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Everything but something. And this story, I've got just written down in my Bible before. This story is still feeding us today. (laughs) Still feeding us today. I love this miracle because it's unique because it's in all four Gospels, which tells you something that it is 
important for the, for the first of all. And 5,000 men would probably equal about 15,000 people. So really, it's the feeding of the 15,000 or so, rather than the feeding of the 5,000. This wasn't a men's retreat. <laughs> this was a family retreat. Everyone was there, but they didn't have time to eat. In fact, what I find interesting in this story is that isn't just that Jesus fed 5,000 men, but actually the story is of self-denial. Self-denial. Because they went to this deserted place to feed themselves and to rest themselves. And instead of feeding themselves, he instructed them to feed the crowds. Instead of having a retreat, he said, I want you to minister to people. Bad news when you go away to get something to eat and you end up having to feed other people. You go away for a retreat and God says, I want you to minister to other people. And it's one thing when one person's hungry or 12 people, 12 disciples and Jesus is hungry. It's another thing when 15,000 people are hungry. And the disciples had left everything to follow Jesus they always said, we've left everything, Lord. Now Jesus was asking them to do something. They had left everything, but still they were, he was asking them to do something. Why does he ask you for something to do the everything? Why does Jesus ask us to put other people first? Why does he ask us to seek the kingdom first? When he does that, it's because he's about to do the miraculous in your life. And the disciples in this story answered like we would answer. The something we have is not, for, is not enough for the everything that we need. And that's generally true, isn't it? The something that we have is not enough for the everything that we need. The five loaves and two fish Jesus isn't going to be enough. What do you do when the something you have is not enough for the everything you need? What do you do when you have five loaves and two fish, but you've got a multitude to feed, and they're all sitting there waiting for you? That's the problem most pastors and church leaders deal with. They don't deal with the 15,000 hungry people, but they generally deal with not having enough. Having something, but not having everything. So the disciples' solution is, I'll just send them away. <laughs> send them away. Send them to the villages. Send them to here. Where? Anywhere but here. And that's our response often ourselves. Because we are trained to look after ourselves. And that's what the disciples were doing. They're saying, we've got enough for us. We, well, that's tucked away. But we don't have enough for this crowd. And Jesus' answer was, well, give them your lunch. There's something that you have... I'll multiply into the everything that you need. Jesus' answer was, embrace, or sorry, drop the lesser and embrace the greater. But there's a willingness to drop what you have to be able to get the greater, to drop the lesser to get the greater. And that's a supernatural rule. And it's never changed. And it never will change. It never will change. When God gives you a vision, it will never be enough 
the, the capabilities and the resources you have, you will never have enough to get that vision done by yourself. Why? Because God wants to be involved in the journey. And if your vision is small enough for you to do it by yourself, then it's a small vision. It's not enough. And we've got the equivalent of five loaves and two fish. But still God wants the Freedom Center vision accomplished. He wants the brokenhearted to be healed. He wants the good news to be preached. He wants the captives to be liberated. And he wants us, all of us, five loaves and two fish, he wants all of us to be involved and to do it. And God has said to each one of us, you feed them. You feed them. So he says to David when he's going to Africa, you feed them. He says to you as you go home to your street, you feed them. He says to you when you go to your work, you feed them. He says to you when you go to Love Preston or do this or that, football or whatever, go up the stairs to the tots, the kids, the young people, the youth, you feed them. And we say, like the disciples, well, how am I going to do that? I don't have enough. Where do I start? I've got so much to do. So much I could do. So much I want to do, but I don't have enough. And what happens often is the need, the vision, or whatever it is, overwhelms us. Because we see the something, and then we see the everything, and we think we don't have enough. And we think our little something is not going to make a difference to the everything. So we get frustrated, we get judgmental, we get negative, we get depressed because we're not doing our something. Remember the story of the old man walking on the beach and he sees a child putting the starfish back. He, you know this story, I'm sure. Well, all the starfish have been washed up and the little child is putting them back and, he, and, he, and the old man says, what are you doing? He says, I'm throwing back the starfish. He says, you're You're crazy. You'll never make a difference. There's so many. The young boy replied as he threw back another one, it'll make a difference to that one. Make a difference to that one. Make a difference to that one. And the vision of Isaiah 61 is like the 15,000. It's like the multitudes of the starfish. It's huge. But God is asking you to do what you can do so that he can do what he can do. If we'll give our sacrificial offering, he'll turn that offering into more than enough. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> you see, sometimes we have a vision and we think it's so huge and the vision overwhelms us and we say, well, there's no point starting. But actually... It's in the starting that you see the vision fulfilled. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. I picked a book up in my study. It's here. Uh, it's called Following the Breadcrumbs. I thought it was interesting for, uh, for the uh, feeding of the 5,000. And it was a book given to Sue and I by Philippa, Philippa Hannah, who came to Jesus through the work of the Freedom Center. And you ever done this? I, I, was just, I just picked up the book, and then suddenly I'm starting to see Susan and I's names in it and the Freedom Center, and I started to, to 
look at, read some of the stories that she was telling and so forth. And I saw names from the past, uh, names that some of you will remember. People like Pete Carrington, people like Rue Walker, Andy Baker, a girl called Sapphira. Somebody who she says was called, and I, we know this, he, she says, I don't know why he was called this, but he was called Library Matt. And she didn't know, when she wrote the book, she didn't know why he was called Library Matt. The reason he was called Library Matt was he came to Uclan, not Uclan, is it Uclan? Yeah, Uclan. And he, he uh, for the first year, he came from a Christian home. For the first year, he messed about. He ran away from God. He came to the Freedom Center. He got back with Jesus. Sue and I discipled him, gave his life back to Jesus, decided he was going to be radical. So he said, I've messed up the first year. I'm going to reset the first year. It'll make my course one year longer, but I'm going to pass with good passes. And so he decided that he would camp in the library. And so he was there day and night. And whenever any of the other students went to the library, there was Library Matt studying hard. Well, now he's a partner in a major law company down south. Library Matt. And she's naming some of these people. And I suddenly realized that if Sue and I, in the beginning, hadn't taken our five loaves and two fish and given it to Jesus, and given the little that we had, then nothing in this book would ever have happened. That's amazing, isn't it? That the people wouldn't even know each other. That was because we did something faithfully and turned up to open the doors of the building, whatever building we were meeting in, turned up for every meeting, set up the road, made the coffee, wiped the floor, cleaned the equipment, prepared the preachers, opened up our home, paid the price, gave everything that we had, the little something that we gave, everything in this book wouldn't have happened. So you see me talking to you this morning, and I suddenly, you know how your mind goes from one thing to another to another, and I was thinking, I probably uh, preach maybe 40 times a year in this place. And I thought, we've been here 17 years. I got a calculator out. I thought, that's nearly 700 preachers. You poor people. (laughs) And I thought, 700 preachers. And I thought, it probably takes about 20 hours or so to prepare a preach if you're doing it the way that you should do it. I thought, that's nearly 14,000 hours. 14,000 hours. I thought, I wonder how many working weeks that is. That's about 350, 340, 40-hour weeks just to do this part of all that God called us to do. That's the something so that everything happens. That's why the men that came up this morning, or didn't come up, they hid behind the microphone down there. That's how they know each other. Amazing, isn't it? That's how some of you know your husband and your wife. That's, that, that's just amazing to me. Because you don't know how that feels, but I know how, Susan knows how, how I feel when I say that. It's amazing when you see the little ones running around, and that's all because the sacrifice 
was made. That's why we do remember on Sunday, we remember the sacrifice of people who gave their lives that you might be free. I came across a little comment from a lady, a 70-year-old lady in India. And she'd been to one of my courses on Learn to Lead, and she had read the book, and she sent a message to me saying, the 70-year-old lady, this has changed my life. You see, when you give up the something that you had, God gives you the everything that you don't have. Seek first the kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you. I had the privilege this week of picking up Caleb from school in the rain. And uh, I, part, I go early when I do that because I think I get near the gate. I'm sure you all do that. Get near the gate so I can run in and run out. And I open the door as I go out of the car. And uh, who's there but Sophie? And I got talking to Sophie. And as I was talking to Sophie, my phone rang. And I said to Sophie, I, I need to take this call, sorry. And uh, this man was on the phone who I hadn't spoken to for over 17 years. This man is a senior partner of now, he wasn't then, of a law company in Manchester. And he'd ever, only ever known me as a property dealer owner. And while he was talking to me, he was talking about one of his colleagues, uh, and he was telling me, he's a Christian, this, this colleague, and he was telling me what he was doing now, which was nothing to do with law, and it was totally unusual. And I said to him, well, I says, you'd never guess what I'm doing now. And because uh, that's when you're an evangelist, you get in any old way. And uh, I said, you never guess what I'm doing now. He said, what are you doing? And I told him about Freedom Center. I told him about Lydia House and Love Preston. And told him about traveling and writing books and everything else. And you know what this carnal senior law partner in Manchester, Manchester said to me, he said to me, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. And if I had time on the phone call, and I will say to him one day, I thought, where did that come from? God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. No church leader in Preston's ever said that to me. <laughs> Never ever said that to me. Sometimes God makes the stones cry out. If you don't get the encouragement from a Christian, you'll get it from someone else who doesn't know even know what they're saying, has no intention of trying to speak to you. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. And I gave up a prayer. I said, Lord, thank you for your wonders that often we just take for granted. God will take the stone that the builders rejected and make them the chief cornerstone. And he'll do that in your life. That's what Jesus is, Psalm 118.22. And that's what he wants to do with each one of us. You don't think you qualify. But let me tell you, this church says you qualify. You qualify. God says you qualify. God says, watch what I will do when you decide to do something, just something, that you just think, well, that's just five loaves and two fish. 
That's just something in my life. But when you give that something, God will do everything. When you give that something and disregard the cost and disregard the pain, God says, now I've got him. Now I've got her. When you do it consistently with excellence and a great attitude, when you push back against the pain, when push back against what's trying to pull you back, it literally changes lives. And I'm using Suna as an example only because you know the example, only because you're in the example of something, a little something, and God does so much. If you read the first chapter of Malachi, you'll see God says, give me the best. Don't give me the stolen offering. Don't give me the lame offering. Don't give me the sick offering. Give me the best. You can't give God your worst and expect him to do your best. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. So to earth this, we look after the freedom kids. We look after the freedom tots. We look after the freedom youth. And we are served by excellent leaders who are doing it excellently. Up Up there right now, they are not just passing time. They're teaching some of your children excellently. So we take the young people that God has given us and we look after them and we sow into them because they are our responsibility. We look after and we clean the building excellently because it's our responsibility. We do the coffee, we do everything excellently because it's our responsibility. We evangelize as though we are the first apostles. We pray for the sick as though we're Jesus himself. We have a heart of compassion for the brokenhearted. We feed the poor. We give drink to the thirsty, whether they approve or whether they don't approve. I took our granddaughter, Kia, um, delivering some food parcels yesterday because it's a great experience for them to be able to take. And, and I got her to lift up this food parcel out of the car. We took it to this door and knocked the door. A head came out the bedroom window, and she, I said, we're from Love Preston. She came down, and dressing gown of some sort, some sort and uh, Kia handed over the parcel. She will remember that probably all of her life. Because we are serving, we're outworking physically, spiritually, outworking the vision that God has given us. No matter whether you get a thanks or whether you don't get a thanks, most times you don't get a thanks. It's not because people aren't grateful, but it's because they're embarrassed. But one day, the master comes back and he repays us for all that we have done. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? He cared for the wounds of the man who fell upon the thieves. He instructed the innkeeper by saying to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, When I come again, I will repay you. And God's saying to us, whatever way you outwork the vision of Isaiah 61, one day I'll come back and I personally will repay you. Amazing. I will repay you. I, God Almighty, will repay you. And that's a 2020 vision. 
when you've got good eyesight, you see what God wants to do, but not only do you see it, you do something about it. Remember the story of the builder building the wall? Man says, what are you doing? One colleague says, I'm building a wall. He asks another colleague, follow up the wall, what are you building? He says, I'm building a cathedral. <laughs> Get the big picture. We're not just delivering parcels. We're not just witnessing to our friends at work. We're outworking the whole vision. Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man is going to come in, in the glory with his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. Solomon said in Proverbs 24, 12, Will he not render to each man according to his work? 1 Corinthians 3 says, The fire will test the quality of each man's work. One day, the master returns. Don't get fixated with the whole vision, think, I can't do all this. Decide that there's something here in this church, in this vision, I can do that. And so over these next few weeks, as we look at the various things of the vision and everything else, I want you to ask yourself, what's my five loaves and two fish? So that other people can be fed. I may go hungry myself. (laughs) I may have to minister when I want to relax. The hour might be late, but what's God calling me to do? Because what God wants to be intimately involved in this transaction, and the only way he can get involved in this transaction is to relieve us of what we want to hold on to. (laughs) It's always the way this faith journey. He wants to take the little that you have and he says, take, give that to me. You know when you, your little grandchild or your child has a little sweetie and they're holding on to it and you say, can I have a sweetie? And you know you've got a bag of sweeties in your pocket and if that child will give you one sweetie, you'll give them 50 sweeties, you know? And you say, can I have that sweetie? Well, that's how we are with God. Honestly, we are. We're, we're, no, I, 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 this is mine. I want to watch a box set. I don't want to go out to another meeting. I, 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 want to, I, want to, I want to spend this with what I need. I don't want to give it to the church. I don't want to give it to God. I don't want to give it to the poor. I don't want, whatever, whatever way it dresses up. And for different people, it's different things. God says, if you give me what's in your hand, I'll give you what's in my hand. It's a transaction. And it always takes a step of faith. They were commanded to feed the hungry when they were hungry themselves. They were commanded to work and organize people, 15,000 probably people, into groups when they were tired and they had already been ministering. You see, your vision and your commitment is tested not when you're feeling fresh and vibrant. It's tested when you feel tired and you don't have anything. When you're weary. If you follow this story, I don't have time to go through it, but if you follow this story, 
It starts with Jesus saying, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place, and 5,000 men and whoever they brought with them comes with them. Afterwards, he then says, okay, everybody onto the boat, across the sea to Galilee, and those of you who are going to Israel next year will see this Sea of Galilee. Across that lake, through a storm, through winds, and through, just think about it, through rain, these guys were stretched. These guys were tired. These guys were trying to move with Jesus and have Jesus with them, and he would disappear, and he would ask them to do things that they couldn't understand. It's just a faith walk, and there's a lot in it, all of our lives that you don't understand, and these guys didn't understand what Jesus, they hadn't got the New Testament. They didn't understand what was going on. They didn't see the next day or the next days just as well. And when they arrived on the other side of the sea, there was another meeting. Hundreds and thousands turning up. You see, when you want to see the supernatural, you have to pay a price. You have to give your something. And that's how you're going to see the everything that God will do for us. When you see a move of God in any church, in any organization, in any country, in any nation, when you see a major move of God, any revival that you've read about in your books, any of that, whenever you see that, there's someone or some group or some people paying a price. Trust me. And if we are going to see a move of God next year, we are all, all of us, going to have to pay a price. I wonder, I wonder if you're willing to pay that price. In your bubble, in your life, in your situation, I wonder if you're willing to pay the price. I want to see this church full. I want to see this vision happen. Are we willing to pay the price? That's not a question I can answer for you. I can answer it for me. Susan can answer it for her. The leaders can answer it for them. Only you can answer it for you, Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your love and for your grace to each one of us. I thank you, Lord, that you don't condemn us. You just want to thrill us. You just want to show us your glory. I thank you for your love and your freedom that you've placed inside of our lives. I pray that freedom would grow, Father, into an avalanche that comes out of our lives into other people's lives and other people's situations. Touch us, Lord. Touch us as a church, touch us as a ministry, touch us as families, touch us as individuals, that we will have good, solid sight, 2020 vision, that we'll see clearly what you want us to do, that we will obey you no matter the cost, no matter the price, that we will seek first the kingdom, and we will be witnesses 
to say all these other things were added to us. Didn't expect it. Didn't do it for that reason. But God has been good. God has been gracious. Lord, we've mentioned some people who were here many years ago who sacrificed, who gave of their time and the resources that were now here. We pray a blessing on them this morning. We pray a blessing on Philippa. We pray a blessing on Matt, library Matt. Pray a blessing on Sapphira. Pray a blessing on Pete, who served us so well. Andy Baker, we ask you to bless his ministry, Lord Jesus. Many, many people, Lord. They are just just an example, an illustration of the lives that have been changed through the ministry of the Freedom Center. We thank you, Lord, that as a family, as a team of disciples, We'll give up our loaves and give up our fish in faith so that you might feed and save multitudes. Multitudes. We pray for the multitudes. Not to fill this building, but to fill your kingdom. One's in Malawi, one's in Tanzania and Africa, South Africa, India, the Philippines, America, Germany, Malaysia, Singapore, all the different nations, Lord, that this ministry has touched. We pray for lives that have been sacrificed, people who are in full-time work, people who have been encouraged, people who have been built up. Wherever this ministry has touched lives, Lord, we pray for your blessing on the people. May they know your love this morning. May they know your blessing. Pray for every single person and every single family represented here this morning. Touch us. Be with us. Bless us as only you can. Make us fit for purpose. Help us to put the kingdom first. May we be known by how much we love one another. Strengthen marriages. Strengthen people's careers and their jobs. May they be blessed. Where they need a job, give them a job. Where they need promotion, Lord, give them promotion. Where they need a blessing, Lord, give them a blessing. Where they need encouragement, Lord, come alongside them, Holy Spirit, and encourage them. Where they need healing, Lord, heal, Lord, as only you can. Let us run to Dr. Jesus. Let us run to bank manager, Jesus. Let us run to lawyer Jesus because you can do above and beyond all we could ever ask or think. So be with us, Lord. We thank you for the love that you've poured into this place. Help us to spread it out as best we can. In Jesus' name, amen. 
more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.